Hey Swifty friends and welcome to The Twisted Twins hosted by Britt and Kay. And summer is coming to a close. We're back from summer break, baby. Break, break. <laughs> yes. How's your summer? My summer was busy. Yeah, I um we were we were all over the place this summer. It was a lot. Yes. I was traveling for work, which is just so much fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, busy summer. How was your summer? Uh, it was it was good. I have some uh funny news. We have a baby brewing in the tum tum. And yeah. If you guys didn't see, she definitely pointed at her own tum tum. You guys can't see that. <laughs> I would stand up and be a little ox. So we'll put a picture in. But um yes, you're a baby on the way. Baby. Completely out of nowhere, miracle little rainbow baby. Mm -hmm. Gosh, the first half of the summer, I was like, okay, y'all, I'm exhausted. This is, this is, uh, killing me. Mm -hmm. So, ugh. but now it's better, much, much better. Yes. And finally the, well, it hasn't really cooled down much at all here, mm -hmm. but I feel it coming. You know, I'm like, I'm willing it. Into You're willing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't feel it coming at all, but I I feel like I think it's coming. Yeah, so I'm putting it out there. <laughs> I, I already know. started decorating for fall. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. I hope because last fall, um, it got you know chillier, so I could actually open my windows and just let like a cool breeze in. I can't wait for those days because it is just when they say summer is oppressive in the south it's fucking oppressive amongst the worst way yes everything yeah. comes out to play in the summer it's the vacationers so... the bugs <laughs> the bugs are out of control yeah they i don't know what kind of new mosquitoes are breeding but they they're just they're just ballsy and it's just enough. I'm done. Yeah. I'm over it. Yeah, same here. Same but anyways, summer, you know, we hate it, but uh, more than anything, we just, we missed you guys. So we're so glad mm -hmm. to be back for another fun year at the perfect time of the year. I know, I know. It's about to get really fun with fall and the holidays and all of that. So for today's episode, um, I've had one particular kind of, I guess, what would you say, like topic I've wanted to talk about, and I bring it up every time we do like a little brainstorm meeting, and I'm like, let's, you know, finally, we found the opportunity to do it. So basically, you know, we've talked about um, some crazy facts in regards to asylums and how they treated people. Conspiracy um, theories that conspiracy. were not actually conspiracy. Yes, that they actually <laughs> held water and were factual. So, you know, we'd like to kind of dive right into this episode that is called Twisted Truths. Ooh. And 
Yeah, why don't you go ahead and start us right off there, Kay? I will. I will start <laughs> you guys off with a very interesting, all of our truths tonight are going to be interesting, but um, this one just doesn't even seem real. But I know, buckle up for safety because here we go. This twisted truth is that up until the early, I would say more like mid um, 1980s, it was believed that babies could not feel pain. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah. So infants, especially premature, like preemie babies, they were like, oh, they cannot feel pain. So the biggest thing that came with that was that any medical procedure that was done on these babies, they didn't use any anesthetics. Anesthetics? Anesthesia? Anesthetics. Yeah. That's the right word, right? <laughs> no, don't ask me. I've got the prego brain. I'm- yeah. I don't know. That sounds right, though. Anyways, uh, they didn't. They didn't use. Um, that is the first one of the season, my friends. The first of many words. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they didn't use any kind of pain medication to to soften any procedure that happened with children. Um, and we'll get into why. And it's just really, really sad. And you kind of go, oh, is that why, like, the older generations can be so, um, like, heartless? <laughs> because they have some... Oh. <laughs> um, well. But yeah, until the mid-1980s, doctors in the United States and most other countries, I do want to preface that, is that this was, like, a wide-known... Um, wide-known. Well yeah. Um, thing was that they just, that's what they believed. Um, yeah. And most of the countries, they didn't, they very rarely used any kind of painkilling medications on infants. Um, so I got, yeah, I got a, um, I was reading an article from like Harvard's website or whatever, Harvard medical, uh, talking about it. And the common practice was to provide infants with a sucrose solution to quiet and soothe. So sucrose, if you don't know, is a, just a mixture of sugar water. And, um, Britt and I actually have experienced that in modern day. Um, when our, our children had to have a procedure as very, very, very young babies, um, boys, they were not given any kind of pain medication, any kind of topical solution. They were given sucrose. And I was going to kill the doctor during that procedure because I was like, this is in like inhumane, like, oh my gosh, what in the heck? This poor baby can feel everything. Um, And they said that the Sugar water acts as it like shocks the the baby's body because they're not used to so much sugar, so it helps to alleviate the pain. Okay, so like this- cocaine almost. Yeah, like cocaine. Yeah, so this is still used today in certain situations, um, but until the uh, mid nineteen eighties, that was the only solution for any kind of procedure on infants. Um, so yeah, even like hella invasive medical procedures, uh, lancing, needles, sticking, anything like that. It was just, 
um, they were performed with without any anesthetics. And um, it's just yuck. But by the mid-1980s, textbook recommendations were starting to back the the evidence that said, you know, babies can feel this. This is a very serious thing. And it's interesting because research was showing at that time um, that infants receiving little to no anesthesia, anesthesia I can't <laughs> uh, had they had increased levels um, of various stress triggers. They had cortisol spikes. Um, oh. Epinephrine was spiking as well. And they were like, this is interesting because that that's the same exact thing that happens to children and adults when they experience insane amounts of pain. You don't say and, Yeah, which you want to be like, no shit, you like what? But um, it was believed that they, that their nerve receptors, since they were so young and their nerves had to be so little that it didn't have the same sensor trigger in their brain connecting the, the pain to tell them that they were in pain. That was mm-hmm. the, you know, that was textbook. That was the belief until the mid 1980s. So, um, bah, 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 bah. so the issue that they were running across with these babies who they were noticing were having these like cortisol spikes and just stress trigger spikes in their body um, after a procedure, it was breaking down the carbohydrates and the fats that were that was stored in the babies, which was making the recovery time that much more difficult and when we really think about um the past i mean it's just insane like i know a lot of people like to argue these days that um you know we should be more like we were back in the olden days and y'all can believe whatever you want i do not care either way as long as you're not hurting like anyone except yourself if you choose to whatever anyway so but um the only reason that like, it's, it's amazing that any of us are even here today with our ancestors and what they actually had to go through with all of the diseases that we do have vaccinations for now. Um, just the medical miracles that save our lives because most babies did not make it. Yeah. Like, even, for example, our, what, like, great-great-grandmother or great-great-great, one of those, um, she had 19 kids. Now but they all made for it. Her, huh? They all made it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, unfortunately for her, they they all made it. No, I'm not kidding. But I'm, I mean, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, she had 19 kids, but it was more. I don't know. It more people had a lot of kids because a lot of babies died, and a lot of little children died, and in your teenage years you die, and I mean you know, life so is not long anyway. So anyways, I don't know how I got off on that little tangent. <laughs> but yeah, just because a person is small does not mean that they can't feel pain. And as short people, I think that, that <laughs> really hones it in for us. Um, yeah, I, I'm about ready to wrap it up. But um I live, laugh, loving your tangents, though. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It's a great time. So glad to be back. Um, but yeah, the data just, it started showing that just as in adults, infants, neural pathways from 
anywhere in their body in their sensory little <laughs> nervous system. <laughs> yeah, that it was acting the same way. There, okay. There is no difference. They felt all the pain, all of these hundreds of years that things have been happening. Absolutely scary. But in addition, what else they were finding out during that time is that the density of the one of the nerves, I, I'm not even going to attempt to try to pronounce that with me lately, but one of their nerves in the skin in infants is similar or greater than that of an adult skin. So sensing and responding to any kind of bodily injury or damage or pain at all is that much more intense for the baby. Oh, that's yeah, horrific. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. And when you think about it nowadays, you're like, that's got to be bullshit. Like, that's the 1980s. Like, that was, you know, between 30 and 40 years ago. It's, it's oh my, even older than that. Jesus. How old are we? Okay. Like, 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> wait a second. Um, Not 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 30, 40 years ago. Okay, so anyways. Um, <laughs> but it's crazy to think that just in our lifetime, we're the first round of, we're the first generation to have infants that actually, you know, had their pain diluted a little bit. Cause like, geez, maybe yeah. that's why, maybe that is why we're a softer generation and the boomers get all mad at us. Like they did have to suffer a lot more. I mean, imagine like, you know, sometimes when babies are born with their like, intestines or their heart on the outside and they have to get that surgery after just being a few days old or like a week old um and then the fact that they thought that like absolutely even for even for major surgery like that they wouldn't like open heart or something they wouldn't give them anything uh they tried not to they i did see something about them not just sugar water but um they use certain things that dulled the pain, but they never fully put babies to sleep from one. Um, yeah. So it was like, it would be equivalent to like a topical solution. Yeah. Awful. It is twisted as shit and really sad. And it's just the, um, the lengths we've gone (laughs) in, the medical community and I mean we still have a long way to go yeah but uh to know that our babies have the option to not feel pain during major surgery is is amazing and it's only about 40 years old at the most so it's so scary yeah wild (laughs) very wild and twisted So yeah, <laughs> that was my tangent. That was my very first twisted truth of the night. So I sorry all the babies that had to experience pain because um, another thing, it does act as PTSD. It sticks in their um, memory, which of course, harvardmedical.gov was like, um, or .ed or whatever, edu or whatever it was, um, was like, you know, that the worst that could happen from that is they're just afraid to get shots. And I'm like, that's not the worst that could happen with that because it's like a muscle memory thing. 
And they'd be like, oh, I, you know, form some sort of opinion about going to the doctors or who knows. Oh, yeah. I mean, who knows? And it's silly uh, uh, to some extent to say that, you know, these are infants they're not going to remember, but they more research shows that they will, in fact, remember. And it's just. Yeah, it's so sad. But yeah, that's my first Twisted Tale. I hope you guys are um, Twisted Truth, whatever it is. I hope you guys are super happy to be back with that fun fact. <laughs> toss it over to you now. Yay, this one is just as, just as lovely. Right, let's take a little trip over to West Warwick, Rhode Island, to the colonial home of Laurie and Jeffrey Dumas. Dumas or Dumas? So kind of in both spots, or all of my sources. And their home was built in 1857. So absolutely like colonial style <laughs> home in a 13th colony, like very cool. So local librarian Lori purchased her dream historical home, the home we're talking about, several years ago, like a while ago. Now, she met Jeffrey, they fell in love, they got married, and the pair were in the process of kind of restoring and revamping their home at this point. So they're up in their attic, kind of cleaning things out, you know, sorting areas. They wanted to convert part of it into a music studio. And they actually made a pretty interesting and twisted discovery. So in their attic was a room and it was not just any room. Um, so looking at it from like you're standing in the normal part of the attic, looking at the room, you see a set of windows and a door inside. Like it almost looks like a life-size doll room. Okay. Okay. Now the door itself was adorned with a single doorknob and a deadbolt on the outside of the door. Now inside this doll room dungeon was metal flooring with a drain in the center. Now instantly, you know, they, they stumble upon this, um, this room, the drain in the floor, everything starts kind of clicking in place. And they're like, oh my gosh, what did we just find? You know, what is this thing? So naturally curious, Lori went to work, literally, because she worked at the, <laughs> the local library <laughs> um, to research her home and answer the mystery in their attic. Because can you imagine finding that? No. Spooky. Um, so while researching, Lori was approached by an elderly coworker who had overheard the discovery in their attic. And now this, <laughs> this was in every single source, but it just, it sounds very dramatic to me. So buckle up. <laughs> now this elderly coworker approaches Lori, puts her hand on hers and says, you have a disappointments room. Like a movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking chill, lady. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's fucking chill, chill grandma. Lady. 
these are they're constantly reading books so they've got to be as freaking dramatic as possible that's true they've got to have that drama yeah that makes sense now let's a disappointments room so let's put a little pin in that and rewind to 1866. Now, 1866, new homeowners of this particular home, Judge Job Smith Carpenter and his wife, Frances Ellen Carpenter, lived in the Dumas's home for 50 years. So they had like officially moved out. I don't know if they died or what, but from night. Um, 1866 to 1906. That's 40, 50. Yeah. <laughs> 50 years. Um, the Carpenters were elite members of society. Job was featured in the local news regularly um, for his, you know, judge stuff. And Lori herself kind of was quoted saying about this in, in during her research, really that every time the judge sneezed, it made papers, quote, unquote. So he was in the papers a lot, hell of a lot. Um, elite members of society and prominent members of society. So eventually Lori's research led to the, carpet, the Carpenter's family plot in the local cemetery, and she made a heart-wrenching discovery among the family's, you know, gravestones, um, she found a headstone for Ruth Carpenter. Now, Ruth or Ruthie was only mentioned once in the newspapers, and it was in the obituary section. <clears throat> so Ruthie was the only child of Job and Francis, and she had passed away at a very young age. Um... I'd say, like, not very young, but at a young age. Preteen, younger kind of situation. Jeez. And her parents eventually joined her at their final resting place <laughs> in the funeral. I mean, the funeral. <laughs> cemetery. <laughs> and the funeral. <laughs> she, she was laid to rest there, and so were her parents. Assholes that they were. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, so essentially, with all of this kind of research, you know, compiled together and just kind of making her own inferences, Lori realized, you know, Ruth, I'm going to call her Ruthie, Ruthie is assumed to have been the occupant of the attic space, of the living doll room. Her existence and her short life was a complete mystery. Um, now, disappointment rooms. Let's go back to our little pin spot. Disappointment rooms. They were, they're known as spaces, really, um, that well-to-do people or elite level, upper class level, you know, or higher families, excuse me, would lock and contain mentally or physically disabled family members starting as children, so at a very young age. Um, I do want to mention that this term, the disappointment room, it wasn't like in the 1800s. People were like, hey, contractor, 
I need to add a disappointments room. They would, it wasn't like the term then. So it's, you know, kind of, um, I just want to mention that it's more of a modern phrase, turn of phrase. It's, it's not like the OG phrase that they used. It probably was not something as dramatic as that one. But anyway, so really since this discovery and explanation, all of the research and all that jazz, the Dumas couple have done a few pretty remarkable things. Um, they founded a nonprofit and named it Ruthie's Room. And it's an organization that fundraises and provides sensory items to Special Olympic Summer Games participants and West Warwick, Warwick Public Schools Special Ed Department. And these items are things like, you know, weighted blankets, sensory swings, um, fidget toys, like all sorts of things like that, that um, spe special needs kids can benefit from, which I just thought that was beautiful. Uh -huh. um, now this one kind of, I th it's sweet, but it also kind of, you tell me what you think. So having, again, after all of this was discovered, they actually went ahead and completely redecorated Ruthie's room, added toys, kind of, uh, you know, furnished it in as really as a memorial and dedication to Ruthie. But that kind of. I just, they didn't have kids. Not, I mean, not that I saw in my research, but. I feel like that is just from our experience. I think it's really sweet. But I also think it's kind of creepy. Like attachment. Like you're having yeah. an attachment. She's, she, you're inviting her yes. and somewhere else to, to fill that space. Oh, for sure. And there was one source, because I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll get to it, but one source where they were talking about how her spirit is definitely there. Da-da-da. I don't know. I just, maybe it's superstition or whatever but it's not something that I personally would do but mm. at the same time I think I think I don't, also, I don't know how I would handle finding one of those in my house and figuring out what it was I don't know how I would really handle that you know because I, I don't I don't I don't know I don't want to you know yeah so I'm not gonna say either here nor there if I think it's 100% creepy as fuck that they did that but what I will say is um it's a choice it's a way to react I on a spiritual level I don't recommend it I think that um like not in a house live in every single day yeah you know like if it was if you had turned the house into a museum that makes sense but in a house even then though yeah, even then, because it's just sad. She was locked in that room for, you know, had to have been a couple of years. And in my opinion, I would have, you know, completely cleared that, cleansed that space, had mm -hmm. it blessed, and then maybe 
make something beautiful in the garden for her because she, you know being stuck in that room it yeah. just breaks my heart but um you know i don't i'm not judging them i just it's not my cup of tea like yeah. i said i don't know how i would handle that so i don't know what yeah. i would but i think the intention is really sweet yeah you know. and i love the fundraiser i think that's beautiful um so to to spread awareness on this historical you know horror story um the couple was featured on hgtv's if walls could talk show to tell the story of their discovery in the findings from their research. Um, just so happens that Wentworth Miller, actor and screenwriter, he, I recognized him from prison break, um, actually reached out to the couple. He was watching an episode of it and was like, Hey, this is very interesting. I've never heard of this before. So he reached out to the couple and adapted their story and sold. <laughs> I gotta condense this. So sorry, it's like a run-on sentence. No. He reached out to them. They connected. Um, he adapted their story into a script. Sold the script to a uh, production company. And in 2016, a movie was re released called *The Disappointments Room*, starring Kate Beckinsale. And it's very similar to this story um now miller uh the actor screenwriter prison right dude along with the doom is couple couple sorry compo <laughs> have the goal um to not only spread awareness on this horrific historical find um and share ruthie's story but to in laurie's words we want them, and I'm adding asterisks, as in, you know, um, mentally and physically disabled people. We want them with us, asterisk, in society, out and about, um, not hidden away in a room. Yeah. Which I was like, that's so fucking spot on, beautiful. So that is the story of the Disappointments Room. Um, I do have a couple pop culture <laughs> references I that, something but. that I find interesting is as fucked up as it is, I would, I at least think it's nice that they kept them in the house. You know what I mean? Because a oh. lot of, especially in that time and later on out into the late 1800s early mid mid 1900s where families literally just took their family oh. abilities and dropped them off at a an institution and then never saw them again for mm -hmm. their left them there to rot to be abused um in so many ways any way you can possibly imagine so at least um them having her in the house with them you know when they were i mean it's still so fucked up it really is but i know we don't the know drain what... in the floor like yeah yeah and i mean maybe she she was so disabled that that was, there was no other necessary and like i don't know and then she only lived so long 
but we don't know why. There's such little information that you kind of have to just fill in the pieces, um, yeah. which can be so scary. But and he was a prom- prominent figure, and back then, that was not something that was either praised or just you know publicly accepted, which is gross, you know. Yeah, but again, yeah, I I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I do know how I feel. It's fucking disgusting. But I do like that at least they, the people that had them kept their family with them yeah. and didn't drop them off. But maybe this was before institutions where you could drop them off, huh? Not for, I mean, 1866. They lived there until 1906. She was probably, I could not find anywhere. I was searching high and low like crazy for her headstone mm-hmm. didn't find her date of birth or death all it said was ruthie was their child and she died at a young age which was really frustrating and it's that like, is and the fact I that i have some you know facts behind my story but yeah and and for him to be in the paper so much i mean i get it it was a different time um it was a an oppressive disgusting time but like, there's got to be something. I know. Good at hiding records. But, who knows, whatever. Nasty people. Yeah. So, I do have a couple pop culture references for this topic that um, kind of, you know, made me think about it. And like I said, the disappointments room term, I don't know if someone made it up. Wink, wink, wink. Or... Did you make it up? No, I didn't. I just... <laughs> oh, do you I'm going to get in trouble. Was... I think it was... I think it was a... Because it's not a term that, like, historians use. Period. Point blank. I, um, I don't think that the whole... That the elderly librarian came up to me and said, You have a disappointments room in your house. I don't think that that was real, but that's just me. And what, maybe, what, you know, shame it, on me. Call it? Huh? Did they say what historians reference it as? No, just kind of like the hidden, a hidden room in an attic or a basement on a high level of a house. It's not coined disappointments room, especially like that's such. Yeah, what a term. I know. So. That's why I kept saying, like... Coined after the movie? Huh? Do you think it was coined as the phrase to call it after the movie or before the movie? She, she said it before. But I don't know if it's just a flowery term she used to sell their story to HGTV. I don't oh, know. Oh! That's kind of weird. Dude, I, I'm like... Girl. You're throwing code words at me, and I'm like, I so I don't want to say it like and be completely like shame on me, completely off base, because I just think it's kind of like the fixing up her little dungeon room mm-hmm. and dedicating it's a memorial to you, like yeah, you're just like, um weird, and <laughs> coining this word or this phrase, this term for room, but that's literally this is the only case that it's been called that i just don't oh, buy it. oh okay i get what yeah. you mean 
So I, I didn't realize that that was the only time it's been called that. Yeah. People might say like, oh, it's kind of like it's disappointment room esque, but even there, like now, you yeah. know, not twenty years ago. So interesting. Just so we're clear. Sorry, I beat like, around that fucking bush. So is that you said she just kind of they just like found it like you didn't see that when you bought the house, right? Like okay, like said, our our grandma's house has um, <laughs> hill room in the garage. Um, it's it's a like a storm shelter. shelter. Yeah, it's a storm shelter but it's completely like cemented and it, it looks very similar. Oh my gosh. What if it was a disappointment room? No. What's a disappointment room in grandma's house? Is that that thing that goes off the laundry room, up the stairs in that room with no windows. What? The room with no windows. She had to rip out all the carpet. I, I didn't go in there though. Did I? Uh -oh. I don't have to love. No way. No way. Um, once I saw that basement, I, like literally you walked in. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Sorry, grandma. Um, you're in her garage and you, it's like, it's like a storm shelter. That's what it is. Okay. But it's a when big, you, like, if there was not a big, and people in like Oklahoma are going to fucking roll their ass. I know. Roll their ass. <laughs> roll their ass eyes roll their eyes at us but why does that have to be so creepy it looks i like, know it looks like like we've been i've seen a storm shelter that wasn't so scary ew yeah so this, haunting yes this one it there was there's some something happened something happened <laughs> no i know but anyway. uh wild yeah but I don't want to be so shitty as to say that, but a lot of it is kind of, like I said, that they don't, they don't have like for sure set in stone. Ruthie was a disabled child. Right. HGTV in a movie deal. Yeah. Like Amelie, 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 Amityville. Yeah. The murders that happened there and then the family that moved in it was they all admitted that it was a lie yeah. but what happened there's like 50 fucking amityville movies mm -hmm. that have been made and they're still making them okay the conjuring ew don't ugh. no they they were con artists they lied. oh ed and lorraine mm-hmm ed and lorraine we got to do an episode on, on them you don't necessarily have to cut this part out no i just I felt bad because I'm like, the no, foundation I'm, is very beautiful, but at the same time, oh, I feel like you're like Ruthie. If you were real, and and anyone that that this may have happened to, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. But this story is fishy, and like it's one thing to make like a historical documentary, but yeah. I don't know. I get what In you're a movie. The movie because I've seen the movie. It's been a it's been a minute. Never it's even. A minute. Um, it didn't do great. Clearly, came back in sale is gorgeous as always, but she's blonde, mm -hmm. like blonde blonde. Um, 
and it's more like spooky haunted the dad is evil kind of like horror movie um so i think it, i don't know it kind of felt like exploitative, exploitative oh yeah and not so much as let's bring attention to this but at the yeah. same time i don't it feels yucky to say something about that about this whole thing i do think the foundation is a beautiful thing mm -hmm. and that's what i'll say about that so there you go i don't what? know yeah so like i said i have three pop culture references <laughs> for the third and final time um so jane ear it was written in 1847 um and in that book the husband locks his quote-unquote crazy wife mad wife away in their attic on the third floor okay hunchback of notre dame poor quasimodo has to live in the church's attic the ring fucking again poor samara and her creepy gifted ass locked away up high in the barn the attic of the barn so those were like the three that i thought of but i was like because i mean i even though samara was so scary in a very well, very was, creepy because of what they did to her and she was you know she had those like gifts or whatever but at the same time it's like but her mom was a psychopath um it's been a minute she was like because she had the powers that's why her mom locked her up there and then like hated her and then killed her in the what and then threw her body in the well yeah yeah that's yeah, why yeah. horse mara indeed <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, but poor Quasimodo. I always think. <laughs> God bless. And you know that that's not, those are not the only references at all. Like oh. um, I saw in a couple places and I completely forgot about this myself. Um, in Harry Potter, Dumbledore, his sister yeah. was locked away somewhere Harry in their home. Potter himself. Harry himself. <laughs> Harry himself. For real. Um, and I'm sure that you could think of all sort of like disappointment room-esque sort of situations, but right. I also don't want to coin it as that because I kind of, you know. Sure. I don't know about this trick. Huh? I said, we're just not sure. We just don't know about this trick. Yeah. I get like, if you are interested, Google disappointment rooms in America, truth and you'll see what I saw. Oh. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not even kidding, like two or three pages on Google of film related stuff, which I understand it was made into a movie. Pardon me. And then um, I got a lot of my information off of their Facebook page for Ruthie's Room, the fundraiser or the fundraiser, the nonprofit organization because um, they have like their story on there and local newspaper did I ever say that local newspaper no thing and then um another set I can't think of right now sorry pregnancy brain but I had to fucking dig so interesting yeah That's weird. if okay. I look on newspapers.com 
maybe try to find her a bit. Let's just take their word for it for the sake of the story. Her a bit? Yeah, Ruthie's. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so that is that. Kayla, you're up. <laughs> Fucking A. Um, I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit. Okay. And um, and it's a fun time. And I hope you guys enjoy it. We go on this journey with us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about a, a crazy, wild time in Strasbourg in 1518. <laughs> Summer, oh. to be specific. Yeah, we're going, we're, we're going way back. Okay. Twenty twenty three time. Um, yeah, July fifteen eighteen. Residents of the city of Strasbourg were struck by the sudden and seemingly uncontrollable, controllable. Damn it! I know I was gonna do that. Urge to dance. The madness kicked off with a five, six, seven, eight, and with one. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, but I had to. With one woman known as, uh, I'm not going to say it right, and y'all are going to let it slide. Frau, Frau, Frofia. Plus, let me just say, okay, I'm sorry. If that's your current language, like, I fucked it up. But all I'm going to say is this is 1518. Okay, I don't (laughs) Y'all don't know how to pronounce your name. Anyways, so this woman steps out into the middle of the street one random July day and began slightly twisting, twirling, and shaking. She kept up her solo dance-a-thon for nearly a week. Oh Uh, my god! Yeah, and before long, three dozen other Stratborgios um, had joined in. By August, the dancing epidemic had claimed as many as 400 victims. Holy shit. With no other explanation for the phenomenon, um, local physicians blamed it on hot blood and suggested that the afflicted just simply gyrate the fever away. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to get a little bit more into it um, in a minute. But the thing is that this, this... dancing plague is literally what it's called it is so heavily recorded in this uh, country's records like this was it if it didn't happen it, it's insane because it is so heavily recorded it baffled people that's hilarious time yeah so oh it's like it's so okay so a stage was constructed and professional <laughs> brought in. The town even hired a band to provide backup music. Um, and it wasn't long before the marathon started to take its toll. You know, many of the dancers, I'm not laughing at this, but it's funny. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, many of the dancers collapsed from sheer exhaustion. Okay. Weeks of dancing in the middle of the street. In the summer, okay. They probably uh, look snatched, though. I'm just uh, oh. <laughs> um, some even died from strokes and heart attacks. Out of the hundreds and hundreds of people that were doing this, some of them did die. Um, 
the strange episode didn't end until September when the dancers were whisked away to a mountaintop shrine to pray for absolution. Um, so the dancing plague might sound like bullshit, but like I said, it is heavily recorded. One of the most well-recorded artifacts from this time period. What? Yeah, <laughs> it is heavily recorded. And this is not the only time in history that this has happened. Okay, so what is what what do scientists believe caused this? We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Well, actually, I don't even know if we do. Well, we kind of do. Okay. Okay. There's only theories, right? But so like I said, nobody was there. Nobody was there 500 years ago. <laughs> it was well recorded, is it? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Peter Piper was there and he was wait, it Peter Piper. Peter the Pied Piper was there. Yeah, the Pied Piper. Peter Piper. Peter Piper. <laughs> he picked those pip pickled peppers. <laughs> God damn it, Peter Piper. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> so yes, it was incredibly well documented. Um, and it is also not, like I said, the only known incident of this kind. Similar manias took place in Switzerland, Germany, and Holland, though few were as large or deadly as this one. So sad. Insane. Fucking what? I didn't get exact, of course, because it's so heavily recorded, I didn't get the exact death toll, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but according to historian John Waller, the explanation most likely connects to strap in people saint vetus okay so saint vetus is a catholic saint who has the power to curse people with a dancing plague what yes so there's two possible theories on why this happened in every single place that it happened in either saint vitus um cursed all of these people for whatever reason um or and then we'll get into the second half um or it was the same bullshit that they try to say with the Salem witch trials that they were all going crazy from moldy rye bread why weren't they dancing there then exactly that's what that that's literally that was my literal like stop sign okay so if it's the same thing i didn't see any of the salem witch people gyrating in the middle of the streets uncontrollably <laughs> at the time i would just like to say that i i mean i didn't see anything because i wasn't there <laughs> but <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah that when it also wasn't you know maybe it wasn't as heavily recorded as fucking 1518 but <laughs> so when i with the horrors of the disease and famine that were sweeping their nation at the time. I don't know with the shit about Strasbourg and 15. I don't know what kind of famine shit was going on over there, but it was pretty intense. Great. So that coupled with the fact that everyone believes that it was St. Vitus <laughs> the superstitions that is what held true. Mm -hmm. Um, they think that with all of that stuff going on, that St. Vitus 
or the at least the idea of him being able to do that triggered a stress-induced hysteria that took hold of most of the city. So whether he did that, which it just like, also, we're not Catholic, so I don't know. And if someone is Catholic and they want to try to help us understand, what in the fucking saint that will curse you to dance nonstop? Yeah. One, sounds like a great time. <laughs> I'm that. And two... Like, that blows my mind. Yeah. So, again, the only other theory out there, and there's no proof, they didn't dig up moldy rye like they claim to in Salem. Okay. Right. That's just a theory. They're like, it could have been this, because that might make sense, maybe. Um, is that either or, or they were just a random cult that like came together to try to cause like craziness. Okay. But then that doesn't explain why it happened in all those other countries as well. What's... So um so it could have it could have just been a bunch of crazy people acting crazy. It could have been the um the idea of Saint Vitus plaguing everyone. It could have been the real plague from Saint Vitus for whatever reason. Or it could be um that they actually accidentally ingested ergot which is a toxic mold that grows on rye and it causes spasms and hallucinations when ingested. But I just, it just seems like something mystical. Something, yeah, it does. It like, when you first hear about it, like, oh, you know, multiple countries have been plagued with a dancing plague where they can't stop dancing. That to me literally sounds like a curse not like a you know well I mean a lot of people died so maybe it is like a, a black magic curse but something where it's like you guys are pissing me off Boop. and then they're just like dancing non-stop I don't know that's crazy. so crazy yeah <laughs> maybe there was something in the air or in the water or I don't know I mean that's one of the theories is that there had to have been something that made them all lose their mind but for them to all lose their mind in the same way, too, I just find very, I mean, it's possible, but I don't want to give up hope that St. Vitus was like, you know what, fuck you, straws, Bergians, dance the night And away. all you guys over here and over here and over here. Oh my God, I just thought of maybe it was the Sanderson sisters, because <laughs> they made, that's the, that's what they did to them in the first one. They put the curse on them. On all the parents. And dance. Dance, dance until you die. Which also, I had a fun um, fact that I wanted to bring up that I That's thought was so good. I was watching, um, I was watching Hocus Pocus last weekend. And um, in the very beginning, the book, right, her spell book, it like zooms down and it says Hocus Pocus and then it like, or whatever, you know? There's multiple um, little fun things on there. But what I found interesting is on the top of both of those, there's the Scorpio sign and the Gemini sign. <laughs> I know. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, how funny. Um, <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. I'm My sun sign is Gemini. Brit's sun sign is Scorpio. So, yeah. Very interesting. And I'd never noticed that before either. I don't know why it jumped out at me, but I did want to bring that up because I thought that was cool. But yeah. I'm going to have to look at for it. They cursed them to dance. 
So why couldn't St. Vitus? It's his literal job. Right. <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. But on that yes. note, hopefully, do you have one that's like not um, not a damper? Or are you going to dampen the mood again? Um, I'm going to really try not to. This one is, don't mind my papers. This one is creepy to me. Okay. Creepy. All right. So, buckle up, guys. Buckle up for safety. Here we go. So the, you know, phrase, saved by the bell, not your 90s TGIF program with Screech, but the OG birth to this phrase is what I will be talking about for this topic. About and it's the- creepy? And it's creepy. Okay. I'm ready. <clears throat> I'm freezing. Sorry. <laughs> In the middle of summer? I know. I think the AC is blowing right on my body and I'm like, I'm going to say Okay. For reasons I can only assume we're based off some sort of superstition, um, you know, fear of some like vampire or something like that. Um, Wait, pause for Your next one is vampires? No. Aw. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Recently deceased people, or people, you know, they didn't discriminate on who they unearthed and who they didn't, were unearthed and dug up from their graves, and their coffins were marked with signs of being buried alive, whether it be claw marks or, like, you know, damage to the inside of the coffin. Uh, Can you even imagine mummy oh the mummy i mean can you imagine regardless but that's what my mind just went to because the fingernail marks and the sarcophagus sorry and him carving Mm -hmm. yeah yeah now a common enough medical condition known as catalepsy was a culprit and a reason for many of these living burials. Now, catalepsy, if you kind of like take that word apart, cata, think catatonic, mm-hmm. and then lepsy, think of, you know, like, um, epilepsy. Like right, like a seizure, seizure condition or like a medical disease that, you know, can have prolonged effects, I guess I would say. So catalepsy is when a patient goes into a state of muscle rigidity, rigidity, where their muscles are rigid, they're completely (laughs) unresponsive. (laughs) Um, Rigidity, rigidity, rigidity. That doesn't sound right, but maybe. You guys let us know. Yeah, basically, (laughs) they. It's a lot like becoming catatonic but being mistaken for having died because your muscles are rigid. You're completely unresponsive. Um, l- like slow breathing, low pulse, <clears throat> all of that. Now this apparently was so common back then 
that many grave keepers and morticians had what they called waiting mortuaries or hospitals for the dead. Um, people would suddenly die or become catatonic in these potentially catalepsic ways. Um, and they were placed under observation for several days in these hospitals for the dead, just to make sure that they were dead, you know, just to rule it out. Uh, funny thing, these waiting mortuaries and um, hospitals for the dead were stocked with like changes of clothes, plenty of food, cigars and tobacco for, you know, almost like a welcome party if somebody were to wake up out of this like I wonder how many some supplies not oh, many and not many in this situation okay okay so other solutions to try and quote wake the dead <laughs> wink wink were grotesque in nature but hey did you die <laughs> or are you dead <laughs> I'd rather them do these. No, <laughs> I would rather them not. Just leave me the fuck alone and let me wake up if I'm not dead, okay? What kind, of, <laughs> okay. what kind of gruesome stuff would they do? All right, so doctors would either poke a patient with needles, and we're talking like under your fingernails in very sensitive places God, to no. just try to, yeah, get you to wake up. You know, right. They would chop off fingers or toes. Um, they would even, <laughs> this is the part I'd sign up for. I'm just kidding. Um, they would even have tobacco smoke blown up their anuses. Because, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, first of all, my fully dead body with my soul standing there in the waiting room watching them <laughs> turn my body over, undress me, prop me up, and do me like a dirty Saturday night is not <laughs> what I'm there for. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Bye. I know. So Bye. at the time, Bye. at the time, tobacco was widely known for its restorative properties. Heavy wink, you know? Um, Really, tobacco, you know, dilates blood vessels. Um, it's not necessarily life-saving. You know, back in the day, people would smoke it if they were having difficulty breathing because it, like, dilates and opens your, um, your lungs up, your past, your fucking breathing ways. I don't know. Native Americans, um used to tobacco for that particular thing if you had like a chest cold they would you would smoke tobacco and it would open your airways and clear out your lungs anyway <laughs> tobacco <laughs> just kidding <laughs> tobacco up the butt thanks <laughs> no thank you <laughs> yeah no thank you no butt stuff for me <laughs> so with all of that aside um across europe in the 18th and 19th centuries so many people were being mistakenly buried alive that coffin makers got creative. And I'm gonna say one thing. How the fuck do they know all these people? Oh shit, we buried another one alive. 
is it because you fucking dug him up and you looked? Yeah. You know? Whatever. Well, and that's like, that's the thing where I saw this TikTok. Oh, God, here we go. First TikTok reference. I saw this TikTok that was talking about how some states have certain laws that um, they will unbury you at 99 years because if it if you hit 100, then you're a historical landmark in most states. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's not just you, but, like, houses, too. Like, um, I think California is a good example that if your house is over 100 years old in California, they can't tear it down because then it's a historical landmark. So, anyways, this TikTok was talking about how... Um, you'll be buried for like 99 years and um and then they will unbury you and cremate you what so else can be buried in your spot and they'll also they also some states have it to where you'll be buried for like 50 years it, or if if you're buried and someone doesn't visit you within 25 or 50 years then they'll unbury you and cremate you and that's how we haven't run out of burial ground space what about our family cemetery in... See, see, mom said the same thing. Yeah. But I... Bitch, I'm only 30 and I've been there in my lifetime. Like, what well, we were there like 15 years ago. But how would they know? Because like... They flowers, will, they'll never know. <laughs> it's not like we just go there and like every time... Not... I'm not saying everyone. We don't... I don't know a lot of people that are buried, but um, uh, most people, when they visit grave sites, they will, like, either bring something or they'll clean up the site, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's how they know. But that was a question that was posed in the comments and that I also had that I didn't really quite get answered. But anyways, sorry, go ahead. So that no, might be... That's how they figured it out. I don't know. You would think at that time, there's not a ton of dead people. I mean, I guess there is. It's like hundreds of thousands of years of humans. Anyways, go ahead. And like 1700s, 1800s. I feel like people died so like. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think. I think it's weird that they knew. Like, hey, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah, all, all across Europe, Europe. Oh shit, we're we're burying people who are alive. Yeah, There's only one way you know that. What, like, what is it? Catalepsy? Do we? Yeah. have that today. Catalepsy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's um, but you're you still have a pulse. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's they weren't checking people's pulses. They didn't know how to. I don't. I mean. No, um, their so their pulse were would slow down. Their breathing would greatly slow down, and nowadays it's definitely something where like if you knew know the certain, but I don't know, I don't know. I mean, like who who's really checking? I don't know. Anyways, Back keep then. Um, so, uh. Coffin makers were getting creative because they're burying people alive. And oh, geez, too many fucking people being buried alive. Didn't blow enough smoke up their ass to wake them <laughs> up. <laughs> and, Is that where that phrase comes from? <laughs> a twofer. You get saved by the bell and blowing smoke up their ass. 
That is so wild. Yeah. yeah. We will look into that and verify for sure, but that's wild. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Don't be blowing smoke up my ass. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> do not fucking blow smoke ass. That's the that's the last straw. <laughs> <laughs> so these new and improved safety coffins is what I'm gonna call them, and they're called online as well. <laughs> um, safety coffins, if you will, <laughs> had some mechanisms within them. And I'm kind of just kind of go through the different kind of mechanisms. For okay. instance, there is a horn mechanism. So uh-huh. you know the things on the playground where, like, on one end of the playground, and you're like, "Hello." Yeah. And it travels. Hello. Yes, it's like that. Um, so the idea would be the horn is on the um surface goes down to the coffin and the person if they're trapped and they wake up they can shout and hopefully a, a, a passerby will hear them and save you know say shit this person's alive um so the horn obviously um this is <laughs> fucking foul so some safety coffins had instead of having a horn they had the same kind of idea but instead they were tube a tube so the tube was out to the surface and it connected all the way down to the coffin now every day the um cemetery groundsmen or groundskeepers i should say would come by and literally take a sniff to check decomp on the person (laughs) in their coffin this is the thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is this is the thing. I'm starting to you know, I don't want to say it, but I'm starting to understand why they were digging all these bodies up. Um because you know how ew, and this is like so gross and I really do apologize for even saying it like this, but you know why um today men morticians are not often they they really try to just hire women as morticians which i mean i'm not saying they're here or there women are gross too but um maybe that's why they were realized maybe that's sniffing sorry anyways i don't smell decomp today Maybe tomorrow. Bitch, those things would be smelling. Well, I it mean... Don't, it don't what, take long. When you're buried underground, that gives you, what, like, 13 hours of oxygen? Is that right? I don't know, but a short amount of time for oxygen. Yeah. Um, some safety coffins had kind of like a quick pull trigger sort thing. They would um, have a small supply of poison just in case, you know... The person woke up and was like, there's no way I'm getting out of this. It's, I have to kill myself. So I just, like, imagined, like, fucking Alice in Wonderland. Drink me. Yeah. You're, you're buried alive. But, like, it's not like you can see anything. So you're in there. To, oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Oh, my gosh. You're right. How would you even know? Like, what is this in my pocket? 
what is this? Now, another very common way was having a string from the surface down to the coffin um, be connected to a bell. Now the bell would be on the surface and the person in the coffin, if they woke up and they realized they were buried alive, they could pull and tug. <laughs> like pull the string and it would ding, 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 and alert passerbys. So um, saved by the bell, if right. you will. They have, I think, and if you've seen the movie and I'm wrong, you can tell me because it's in my brain that I'm right. <laughs> um, What's new? Their autopsy of Jane Doe, I think that's what it's called. Emile Hirsch and the dad from Big Fish. Can't remember his name. Great actor. Um, they are like a father and son team who work at a mortuary. They're coroners, basically. And this woman comes in. Anyway... Um, it is such a good movie, Kayla. If you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. It is, like, you will never see the ending coming. Anyway, there's one point where there's a man, dead man, obviously, and he has, I think he has a bell on his toe. So they hear, like, the bell ringing, and it's like... Oh, in the, um, when he's in the freezer... Something like that, either in the freezer, or the hallway, or something. Yeah. But it's like ding, 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 ding. So anyway, I vaguely, I vaguely remember that, but I don't remember the, anything else from that movie. Maybe I've just seen it. On watch. You know how I am. Yes. How I am. Yeah. No, I really liked that movie. I wish I could watch it again and not know what it was about. Maybe in like eighty years when I have dementia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, bitch. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna be 116 when I go. <laughs> Just kidding. Um. So, uh, different kinds of safety coffins above surface burials. So some countries pulled almost like a Snow White, um, and had the possible deceased person in a glass-paned coffin to check for, like, excuse me, condensation from, like, breathing. So if, oh, if there's fog, then they're alive. Let's let them out. Other coffins were locked in a way that the person buried was buried with a set of keys, and they could, like, unlock their coffin and get out. So that was another way. Um, now, the bell safety coffins were by far the most common. Um, Save by the bell, again. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> and um, sad to say, there are zero records of people being saved by safety coffins. Literally none. Um, my head, it's probably CO2 poisoning. Yeah. Um, but, and it's dark not like you have a little flashlight or a fucking like um what are those things called you break glow stick oh yeah i can't that's that is such a huge fear of mine i know um, claustrophobia 
claustrophobia at its finest. I did, by the way, pull up the origin of blowing smoke up your ass. Do you want me to read it? You guys want yeah. to? Okay. So uh, this is from gizmodo.com. So super reputable. Never heard of them. But when someone is blowing smoke up your ass today, it is a figure of speech that only means one person is complimenting another insincerely most of the time in order to inflate the ego of the individual being flattered. Back in the late 1700s, however, doctors literally blew smoke up people's rectums. Believe it or not, it was a general mainstream medical procedure used to, among many other things, uh, resuscitate people who were otherwise presumed dead. In fact, it was such a commonly used uh, resuscitation method for drowning victims, particularly. Oh, my God. Equipment used in this procedure was hung alongside certain major waterways, such as the River Thames. Um, people frequently frequenting waterways were expected to know the location of this equipment, similar to modern times concerning the location of defibrillators. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, don't blow smoke up my ass. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, yeah, you learn something new. Yeah. Every you day. Sure do. That's you so sure do. That's crazy. <laughs> Not one, but two phrases. Saved by the bell and smoke up. Don't blow smoke up my ass. There you go. Yeah. Um now I wanna say, like I did for disappointment room segment, I have pop culture reference where I've seen this in like a film um The Nun is oh, that's what I'm thinking of not whatever movie you were talking about before The Nun with the bells yeah yes that whole cemetery had bells I think yeah that and might be like the ghost story the scary story yeah definitely from the yeah nun. yeah that was uh creepy that cemetery had bells and the bells would go on and on and on for fucking ever. And I'm pretty sure about this one, but like I said, if I'm wrong, let me know. Um, Dracula, it's a series, a mini series on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you really should. It is such a good one. Um, I'm pretty sure in like the first episode, it features a cemetery in Transylvania with bells on the gravestones but I might be making I'm I might be blowing smoke up your ass <laughs> I might be doing that actually uh, so don't I say no thank you to the smoke up the ass but oh god what is happening there um yeah I say no thanks smoke up the ass and I also say no thank you to being buried in general I don't care if you're going to put a bell with me or not. Just don't bury me in general. Could you imagine hearing a bell and then being like, I have to go get someone to help. And then you yeah. go get someone and you're as fast as you can. You're digging them up. And then you open it and they're fucking dead. And what I want to know, how the people that did wake up, okay, um, before they created the safety coffins they must have woken up right after being buried 
You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. like within the day. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yuck. The reason I asked at the very beginning of yours is it was yours about vampires. It's because mine is about burying stuff and vampires. Oh, cool. This one, it's like, bear with me. Um, There's a lot of like flipping back and forth between um, like quoting the actual story and, um, and then my own like legitimate research. So bear with me. It's, a little bit, but it's going to be good. Okay. I talk about the Great New England Vampire Panic. Yeah, I know. Um, in the 90s, it was 1990, children were playing near Hillside Gravel Mine. They found <laughs> the, yeah, what in the fuck? <laughs> Why? My <laughs> kids for you, that's just what we did. Um, when they crossed some graves. Yikes, a dudes. Okay. One child ran home to tell his mother, who was skeptical at first until the boy pres- produced a skull. Oh, fuck that. Because this was Griswold, Connecticut in 1990, police initially thought the burials might be the work of the, lo- of the local serial killer. My- <laughs> yeah. um, sorry, I'm not laughing at the serial killer. It's just like, what a fucking time to be alive. <laughs> Griswold. Is this a Stephen King story or what? Yeah, no, it's not. Um, and so they, <laughs> okay, <laughs> they taped off the area as a crime scene. Um, but the brown decaying bones turned out to be more than a century old. The Connecticut State archaeologist Nick Bellantoni soon determined that the hillside contained a colonial era farm cemetery. New England is full of such unmarked family plots, and the 29 burials were typical of the 1700s and early 1800s. Um, the dead, many of them children, were laid to rest in thrifty Yankee style in simple wood coffins without jewelry or even much clothing, their arms resting by their sides or crossed over their chests. So all of them were the same, except... For one burial there. Okay. So uh, Bell and Tony was interested in the grave even before the excavation began. He was like, what the heck is this? He found a stone that was um, carved with the initials JB. So Justin Bieber was here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They start, um, you know, digging the graves. Excavating? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they start excavating the caves, um, scraping away soil and, and all that good stuff. And the archaeologist and his team worked through several feet of earth before reaching the top of the crypt. Um, that's wow. when Bell the first large of flat rock that formed the roof over this burial. Okay. Um, this person he was buried with this large flat rock on top of him um, and he was laid in a red painted coffin. You just see the red painted coffin in a pair of skeleton feet. What? Yeah. So that's what you see at first. That's all they saw at first. Um, so he sees that and he's like, what in the fuck? 
So then they lift up another stone off of the the burial area. And <laughs> Bellatoni, Bellantoni saw that the rest of the individual had been completely rearranged. What? Yeah. The skeleton had been beheaded. Skull and thigh bones rested atop the ribs and the vertebrae. It looked like the skull and crossbones standard look. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is quoted to say that he had never seen anything like this in his whole life of being an archaeologist. Um, subsequent analysis showed that the beheading, along with other in- injuries, including rib fractures, occurred roughly five years after death. Somebody had also smashed the coffin. Hmm. Yeah. Which, in my head, I'm like, you got all these large-ass rocks on it. Did they smash the coffin afterwards, or is this just over time? I don't know. Oh, that's well, a good point. Yeah, that's that was my first thing when I read it. Again, I got... I didn't say again. I got this off of the Smithsonian website. Um, so there's a ton of information on there. If you guys want to read the whole article, definitely do, because it's... It's wild, but we're going to get into it. The so coffin you- has, like, a boot print. <laughs> um, we got kicked or something. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, sorry. One of the archaeologists on the team had, again, again, like, one of, like, your last story. Um, one of the archaeologists came up to Bell and Tony and said, have you ever heard of the New England vampires? Why? I sure have not. Please. Were they in a disappointment room? So in 1854, a neighboring Jewett City, Connecticut, townspeople had exhumed several corpses suspected to be vampires that were rising from their graves to kill people. Oh. Um, Many of the other vampires, uh, like Justin Bieber, JB, had been, yeah, had been uh, disinterred, uh, grotesquely tampered with. Yeah. Um, and then they were reburied. So the post-humus rib fractures began to make sense when they started digging more into what happened in that neighboring town during their vampire hunt, okay? Um, because most of the records show that in order to kill a vampire in this, you know, in the 18, late 1800s in Connecticut, you had to remove the heart and burn the heart of the dead person, okay? So doing that, you're going all through their cavities. So they're like, okay, that explains some of the the rib fractures, at least, of JB. Mm-hmm. Homie fucked up. Um, so that, that makes sense. Uh, those scholars today still struggle struggle to explain the vampire panics. A key detail unites them. The public hysteria almost invariably occurred in the midst of savage a savage tuberculosis outbreak. Yes. Be, be a little mindful of the time period. This is 200 years after Salem, right? Roughly. Yeah, that, that's right. And... Um, and it's kind of in that same, it's like that New England area. So tuberculosis hits um, and they medical tests showed that JB 
um, did test positive and died from tuberculosis um, or a lung disease that was very similar to it. Um, but this a rural family, oh, I hate that word. Even though in your standard country family that subsequently fell ill with tuberculosis, um, the survivors of the family, if there were any, would have immediately pointed the finger and said that it was vampires were coming in and preying on their soon-to-be-dead uh, family members. So that was kind of like the standard, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, so then they started burying, unburying the bodies to make sure that they don't come back and just completely dismembering them and rearranging them, ripping their hearts out, um, burning them, and then reburying them. Uh, the particulars of the vampire... Uh, the vampires that were dug up, though, very widely. In many cases, only family and neighbors participated. Okay, this was a very low-key, backcountry, New England, weird-ass shit, okay? But sometimes, town fathers voted on the matter, or medical doctors and clergymen gave their blessings. Um, some communities in Maine and Massachusetts opted to simply, simply flip the the uh, assumed vampire over face down in the grave and leave it at that. But in Connecticut, Rhode Island and Vermont, they frequently burned the dead person's heart, sometimes inhaling the smoke as a, as a cure. Okay. Um, and also they did that in Europe too, as well. Cause this was widespread. This was a vampire panic. Okay. It's before um, all the vampires went and got hush hush about their whereabouts. Yeah. Big time. So, um, so some in Europe beheaded the suspected vampire while others just bound their feet with thorns. Jiminy. And poor JB got, I feel like he got so fucked up. Like, yeah. fully little piggies on top of the coffin just standing there. Gross. Gross. <laughs> just too much um what were we say about the um i was looking at like another little thing to discuss just about like how um until like the 19 early 1900s like a big thing in the medical community was like ingesting human remains whether it be like ground um skull fragments uh things like that or blood um which i'm like vampire but i'm gonna drink this blood yeah okay um make it make sense exactly but um i came across the story i believe it this is <laughs> i don't have notes on it or anything i just read it really quickly but let's see if i get most of it right so this is a campfire story. Okay. To piggyback off of Kayla's um, tale of the New England freaking vampires. <laughs> so in Vermont, there was a vampire, suspected vampire, same thing, tuberculosis outbreak. People are dying all over the place. 
I believe she was a mother of like three, two or three or four or something like that. Anyway, her and her children all passed away from tuberculosis. But, and more people were getting like sick, 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 whatever. And people were like, um, we need to unbury her and take her heart and burn it because she's a vampire. But I think that they took another organ, like her liver or something, and burned that as well. And then the person who was sick still, the ashes of her heart and liver, I'm going to say, they made them like ingest it as yeah. like medicine, quote unquote. That person died still, of course, from tuberculosis. But they saved him from a vampire, saved their whole community. It's just crazy. When you look at human nature and um, repeatedly, instead of just trying to find um, the legitimate reason behind something, they just always go to the most, like, violent, grotesque, dramatic, let's unbury the dead. Okay, because we wouldn't be able to see if the ground had shifted from them coming up out of the coffin in the cemetery. Right. But let's unbury them. And another thing, why are we unburying so much? Like, I just, it's just weird to me. When I first learned about what some horror, real life horror stories, um, that bad morticians partake in. Um, the first time I ever heard about that, I was so, I mean, like, that, like, haunted me forever. I was like, ew, that, it's just, like, disgusting. Yeah. And I just want to know why the fuck we're unburying all of these bodies all the time. I know. I did see this thing, um, another thing about, like, unburying uh, human rem remains, but I didn't want to, you know, tell the story and almost you know make a mockery of it because it is still a celebrated tradition in Madagascar specifically where they um un like every few years oh yeah no it's an annual thing every year oh you scared me oh sorry <laughs> no about that it's every year on like on the dead person's birthday or or the anniversary of their death one they of the unbury them and dance with their dead body because they in hopes of like helping them decompose because the sooner they're decomposed the sooner they get into the afterlife but it's a, a practice that I don't remember when it started but they still do it today and I was like I don't want to bash somebody else's culture at all but at the same time I'm like oh goodness yeah couldn't be me but it's cool that it's you, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to go off of the um, the vampire thing, too, just kind of like a final thought for me, is um, I can understand, like, especially with um, tuberculosis or even, like, the Black Plague way back then, any, like, major... Um, sickness or illness that's a lot of people are smallpox all that sort of thing yeah people are dying off um, and having to and not only that but tuberculosis you 
cough up blood. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of like blood from certain orifices. And so I can kind of see like how they would relate that fear to like a monster. It's just, it's fascinating and it's like reel it in humans. Alrighty, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We're very, very happy to be back this fall. Ish. Yes, I know. We're, Ish. It's already fall for us, and you guys know that. And it's yes. All yes. Thank you guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, hello. Go ahead and like and comment below. If you're not watching this on YouTube, hello to YouTube. Go ahead and check mm -hmm. it out on YouTube. You can also go and look at us on <laughs> look at us on TikTok and Instagram at underscore the Twisted Twins Podcast. Also, if you want to find us on YouTube, we are at the Twisted Twins Podcast. Uh, if you have any crazy stories, if you are one of the vampires from the New England Vampire Panic, we would love to interview you. Go ahead and send us an email to the Twisted Twins Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll get right into scheduling that. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We hope you have a wonderful week. You take care. And stay, stay twisted. twisted. Bye. Bye.